Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Hello, I'm Linda and I'm here with my friend Paul. Hello Paul. Hello Linda. Paul, one of the um, topics I think we've not covered off yet, but we have covered adapting recipes, but maybe there's a lot of people we know who haven't yet bought a combi steam oven and they're a little bit maybe hesitant as to can they really get benefit out of it or, or what they're doing in the meantime, particularly while we're in this strange lockdown situation. But what do you think about talking about ways we can convert our existing standard oven to adapt it more to behave like a combi steam oven? Yep. Okay, so when we've talked about adapting recipes, we've talked about almost doing it the other way, taking traditional recipes and adapting them for combi steam. So what we're talking about today is taking a traditional oven and maybe making some um, method changes, technique changes to make it behave a little bit like a combi steam oven. Yeah. So about adapting the oven. So, and the reason that sort of this came up was I recently did um, some sort of tutorials and cooking and and stuff like that where I had to frame the cooking around just a regular everyday conventional fan-forced oven. Um, And one of the things I did was called un papillot. So it was a fish wrapped in paper. Uh, And that's a really good way of... um, using your oven so it gives you like a steamed fish result now we've talked before about the accuracy of steam and how it carries heat eight times better and all the rest of it Um, but that's a really good way of maybe starting off with a understanding of steam and what and what it can do because what you do is you encase an entire fish in a paper bag and what happens is, is as that fish cooks, obviously there's moisture in the fish, there's moisture in the vegetables or whatever you decide to add to it, um, and it doesn't escape from the bag, and the fish steams in the bag, although it's been cooked in a conventional oven. Uh, as long as no air's getting in there, um, all it's doing is the moisture from the fish is creating steam within the bag, it stays within the bag, and it gives you almost an identical result to steaming a whole fish. Um, so that's a really good one to sort of start with is is look online, we'll have a recipe soon enough where we'll do that just so we can show. We might do two side by side. We might do a fish just steamed and we might do one in papillot side by side so we can see the difference. But the difference will be minimal in that case. I mean, you're not going to do everything like that of course, but it's a really good option to start with if you're thinking, oh, what benefit can I get? Um, do a do a whole fish in papillot or in paper. Um, when you say paper, you're referring to baking paper? Yeah, baking paper. Would it work the same if you had tinfoil? Uh, yeah, yes it does. Yes and no. Tinfoil is a bit harder to manage because it tears a lot easier than baking paper. Um, you can certainly do baking paper and then tinfoil if you like but baking paper is the best way to go about it and if you are going to do it little trick that I learned early days was actually um, 
wet the baking paper, make it damp, makes it more pliable and a bit easier. And especially if you've got a large fish, you need two sheets of baking paper. So one on the bottom, one on the top. Um, and if it's wet, they'll be able to fold together a lot easier and you'll be able to create a better seal. So you're kind of creating a wet paper. An envelope. It's en- a, well, like it's a an pa- envelope. Well, like a pasty or a, or a pastry or something where you're encasing it yeah. and tying up and folding over the edges. Yeah. So that's all encased. Okay. Correct. And so the, another similar one to that, which you might people may have seen before, is, um, and I've seen this done with fish, with lamb, with lots of different proteins, is um, a salt crust where you mix salt and egg white generally in large quantities together and you totally encase a protein. Let's take fish as an example um, and throw it in the oven and bake it like that. That is essentially steaming because the fish isn't exposed to dry heat itself uh, and the moisture comes out of the fish. The salt, yes, collects some of that moisture, but it's effectively steaming. Um, The same can be said for wrapping fish in paper bark which i've done too so wet paper bark and go into coals in a fire pit that's steamed for all intents and purposes so anything that anytime that you seal something up and throw it in an oven in a regular oven as long as it's sealed you're going to get a similar result to steam now you don't have the temperature accuracy or the leniency of time which we've talked about with steam when you're cooking at an accurate temperature. So I do my whole fish, let's say a snapper at about 85, 80, 85 degrees. Um, Whereas salt crust and papillote in paper, paper bark, banana leaves, whatever, you're generally baking at about 180 degrees. So you need to be right on the money when you take it out. Whereas with steam, as we know, it gives you leniency of time. But it's a good way to sort of convert your oven, if you like. You're still using um, regular heat, but you're getting a similar to a steamed result. Why are you using 180? If if your oven, I think our bottom oven can go down to 100. Yeah, okay, so yeah, fine. Would you put it on there to get it a bit closer to the lower temperature cooking? Yeah, you could, but you're working through um, extra layers as well. So there's no heat, direct heat touching what it is you're cooking so even though you're only working through baking paper if you were to wrap it in foil it will take you longer so it's going to take you a lot longer because there's no direct heat um but yes the lower the better like no doubt um but then the longer as well yeah the longer it Mm. takes and of course you don't have and that's the sort of hard thing to get why am i why do i why is it going to take longer so a fish wrapped in paper um, done in papillot at 100 degrees is actually going to take more time than a, the same size fish steamed at 85 degrees. Now, okay, that would be... It's a bit weird, right? The temperature's yeah. lower, but because steam carries heat eight times more efficiently than dry heat, it cooks faster with steam. Standalone steam versus just standard dry heat so that's it that's a good way to convert um your oven i suppose and the other one which we've we kind of topic du jour is is bread baking so we've done various recipes there's a tutorial about um sourdoughs and all sorts of stuff and we will generally prove our bread and 
bake our bread on a combi mode and we use the oven to its fullest advantage. Now, if you're working in your regular home oven, conventional oven, the problem with proving in a conventional oven is generally you can't get them low enough. So they need to be sub 50 degrees, it actually needs to be sub 40 degrees to prove it. You know, the, the other issue with that is it's got to be wrapped up tight because if it goes into an oven like that, which is a dry heat only, it'll form a skin. Um, and then you'll never get that skin out of your dough and it ends up halfway through your, your bread loaf, which isn't great. Benefit of doing it in steam is it's humid, so it doesn't get the skin. So proving is sort of one thing that unless your oven gets nice and low and you can wrap it tightly so you don't get that skin, that's great. Um, otherwise, you're going to be proving more traditionally, which is out on your bench top or whatever. And yeah, it's going to take you a little bit longer. But when it comes to the baking, you can get a similar result. So when you're baking bread, the initial 10 minutes of the bake is the most important. Um, and a lot of people will say that's when you need steam. That's when you need to add steam to high dry heat. Uh, I add it right throughout the cooking process, but of course we have the ability to turn it on and off when we like because we have the oven to do that. If you're doing it at home, really good rule of thumb or method is preheat your oven as you do before you're about to bake your bread. Put your bread loaf, whether it be in a tin or free, free form or whatever it is, bread rolls, it doesn't matter. Put it in the oven and then just before you close the door, drop three cubes of ice in the base of the oven. And that creates that burst of steam for the initial few minutes, which helps crust development and color as well. So that's sort of working like a combination mm -hmm. function on your oven. It's not the same. Let's be honest, it's not exactly the same, but if you're not convinced yet um, and you haven't got a combi steam oven, but maybe you want to do a really nice home-baked bread recipe, that's a good way. Is just get some cubes of ice and straight in the oven. I've seen recipes that suggest also, or other people suggest, um, that you put a little container of water just in the oven yep. at the bottom yep. and it just creates its own little bit of moisture yeah a bit of sort of humid environment um i actually because it can get a bit wet if you do that although you're working in a dry environment and if you imagine what's going to give you an instantaneous burst of steam is it cubes of ice that touch a really hot surface or is it a pot of water which has its own surface and then has to heat up during it the has process. to heat up during the process yeah. So you Steam want that comes out at the end, yeah. The beginning. You want that initial burst. So I always and look, three cubes of ice in the base of your oven. Most ovens are enamel, you know, pretty hardy enamels and stuff. It's not going to hurt it. Um, most people have put far worse things in their ovens before. I think that instantaneous burst and it dissipates within the first ten minutes. Like three cubes of ice will probably only take. I haven't tested it, but a few minutes just to disappear. Um, but I prefer the ice method because it's quick, fast, it creates steam straight away and you're not left with a whole heap of moisture in the cavity as well. So you put water in there, it's just sort of sitting there the whole time and we're waiting for our the vessel that's holding the water to heat and then the water to heat enough to evaporate to create steam, um, which depending on how much water, how deep the container is, how thick the container is, there's too many variables there. 
So it won't actually happen by the time you take it out. It'll certainly, the water will certainly evaporate, but has the evaporation happened before the steam's happened? Mm. Like we want instantaneous and we want that steam to touch the surface of the bread because that's what gives you those little gnarly bits of crust and and things like that. So, Mm. yeah, that's another good way if you've got a regular conventional oven is for any baking and you can do that do that with a roast pork with roast chicken like lamb um, anything that you're going to roast like a little few cubes of ice at the start a little hit of steam ain't going to hurt it I think we've proved that Um, steam's not going to hurt your roasting experience and it's certainly not going to make your food soggy Um, and you might see a difference you might not you certainly will note it in, in bread baking okay and for those listening who are thinking like I would have about the salt I've actually had that or was a really thick crust of salt over a big sea bass in a ex- visiting family. I had exactly the same thing in Slovenia, actually. And mm. we were visiting Dougie's uncle in Spain. And I was quite worried because it was this huge tray that came out covered in this hugely thick crust yeah. of salt. And uh, I thought, wow, that's just going to be, you know, man. But when they cut the crust open and the fish... Did not. There was a slight taste of salt on the skin. Yeah. But once we pulled the skin away from the bass, it was absolutely fantastic. So moist. Beautiful way to and and it's effectively steamed. Mm. Like it's a beautiful way to. But I was quite eat surprised fish. that the salt hadn't actually penetrated the fish. Yeah, there's a little trick with that too, which is when you buy whole fish, generally the fishmonger will scale and gut the fish for you. Um, if you are going to do a salt-crusted fish, which I encourage everyone to do at least once because it's just delicious, um, get the fishmonger to leave the scales on. Oh, okay. Because the scales create a protective barrier between um, the flesh and the salt okay. itself. That's and it actually makes it much easier to peel the skin off once it's mm. cooked as well. So, very, I mean, I never leave scales on fish, ever. But that's one occasion where you want you want the scales on there and that stops too much salt okay. penetration because if you just go straight on the skin with salt like a salt crust mix whoa, it's going to be salty so that little extra layer of protection is, is actually quite good I'm not sure if they still sell them Paul but when I was a youngster my uh, one of my aunties used to love cooking in a plastic bag yep I don't know if that, but that would have been the same thing, trying to get that same kind of moisture happening. Yes. Yeah. So the, the Do they old, still make them. Yeah, the old oven-proof, oven yeah, oven-proof oven bags. bags. Yeah, but and think about that in theory, like what? Yeah. And they were, the whole marketing behind those oven-proof bags were create a super succulent roast, yes. super juicy roast. What do you actually think's happening in there? Yes, there's air coming out, and they weren't perfectly sealed, but the moisture from the, the marinade or the chicken itself or whatever you put in the bag um, would heat to a point where it would create steam, giving you succulents. Mm. Like, so you could certainly, if they still do make them, I've got no idea if they do. They're probably, no, no. like, given these days of environmental friendliness, I would say that maybe they're not the most um, compostable I think, item. I think as we discussed, though, <laughs> while this has been recorded, we're in lockdown and yeah. corona virus problems and uh, I think we've all realised that for the moment issues we've just got to get by yeah. and uh, hopefully 
now that the air's a bit clearer and our waterways are a bit less polluted, we yeah. will be able to come back to sustainability once all this. Yeah. And you can certainly, um, sort of on the same, on a similar topic, if you want to experiment, if your oven gets low enough, I mean, a lot of newer ovens, like maybe you're listening to this and you haven't got a steam oven, but you've got a relatively new oven. A lot of newer ovens will get down reasonably low in temperature. So what that also means is that you can do attempts at sous vide type cooking in your oven. Um, so sous vide meaning that you could put a pot of water yep. in the oven yep. and get the water to that temperature and yep. put your protein in a bag in there. In the, in the water? Yeah. Yeah. So if you can get your oven to, you know, 60, 55, 60, 65 degrees, I mean, you're generally not sous vide cooking any hotter than that. Um, in, in, in that sort of 10 degree, 55 to 65 degree range, even if it's in five degree increments, it's not super accurate. The water will actually help even the temperature out a bit, kind of like bain-marie cooking, you're cooking yeah. in a, in a uh, pot of water. And you can try that, like give it a go. So all um, you really need is a thermometer that you can put into the oven, into the water to test the temp. Yeah, that's e it. exactly right. And just see if you can hold and maintain a reasonably good temp. And a lot of people do it on their stovetop. Um, I actually like the closed cavity environment because you're more likely to maintain temperature a bit better. Mm. Um, and the other reason I also like it in an oven, and look, we're just making suggestions, but is do it with a f the fan going if you can. So if you if your oven is fan forced and has the ability to work uh, between 50 and 65 degrees, even if it's five degree increments, make sure the fan's going because that air circulation will give the water a little bit of movement, just a little bit. And a lot of the theory behind sous vide cooking, which is in a water bath, is movement to maintain stable temperature. Because as soon as you have stagnant water, water closest to the heat source becomes hotter than the water at the top. So if your heat source is at the bottom on a cooktop, the water in the bottom five to eight centimeters will always be hotter than the water at the surface generally where your bag's floating to. So you can always, yeah, yeah, you can always maintain the temperature. Um, if it gets too hot, just throw a few cubes of ice in. So it, it's similar to doing sous vide cooking, but you just use your oven. Like, why not? Oh, there's so many things you could do that way. Yeah, there's lots. So, I mean, do, like, if you haven't got a combi steam oven, doesn't mean you can't do versions of combination cooking and or especially steam cooking with those examples like in papillote or salt crust or in a banana leaf or in a liquid of some sort you use your oven to poach in a brilliant brilliant way because whenever you're poaching you have a liquid on a stove top and that liquid evaporates now sometimes you want it to in the case of a stock you want that liquid to evaporate to concentrate the flavor and stuff like that but if i'm doing poached pears i don't want that pear liquid to evaporate until I want it to. So if I'm going to use that poaching liquid as a source at the end, I want to reduce that down after I finish poaching my pears because the entire time that those pears are poaching, I want them submerged totally. And by having it on a cooktop, evaporation happens and that liquid drops and drops and drops and drops and drops and maybe my pears aren't cooked. And so I've got one half of the pear which is cooked because it's submerged and the other half which isn't. Why don't I just do it in my oven? If I can keep my oven at a reasonably steady temperature, bring my 
poaching liquid up to temp on the stovetop, drop my pears in and then just put the whole pot in the oven. Why not? Mm. It's about maintaining temperature in a closed cavity environment in an oven, if it's an okay oven, is a much better way to control temperature than versus surface cooking. And that would also go for confit cooking when yep. you've got well, it Well, oil. Con- that's exactly right. Yeah. A traditional confit cooking is done in an oven. And the benefits of that for those who haven't thought about trying what confit is 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 a so the, immersing the protein in oil. Yeah, so the true meaning of it is in its own fat. Oh, okay. Um, so confit duck is duck cooked in duck fat. Um, but I mean, confit is now. You're right. It's cooked in a fat. It can be butter. It can be oil. It can be lard. It can be a pro a fat. A, a fat of any protein in particular, pork fat, chicken fat, whatever you like. Um, so the purpose of that is one, preservation. So old French recipes, which call for confit duck legs. Um, half the reason that they were cooked in duck fat was that they were submerged the whole time. And when they cooled, um, they set. So the fat sets in the fridge or the fat sets even when it's sitting out uh, and it preserves the the duck legs because there's no oxygen or air getting to it so one was preservation okay. uh, and the other is also because of flavor so you get maximum amount of flavor but you can confiate like a tomato well i've seen tuna yeah and with some aromatic sort of you know bits of herbs and yep. things in the tuna and yeah very famous um well, japanese australian chef tetsuya up in sydney uh one of his sort of signature dishes a few years back was a confit of ocean trout. So it was ocean trout cooked in a bath of, I think it was grapeseed oil, olive oil, and a whole heap of flavorings. And he actually cooked it in a regular oven with the oven door open because he could control and maintain a better temperature with the oven door open. So the oven was running and operational, but because he didn't want, want it to get too hot, and this is quite a few years ago, because he didn't want it to get too hot, he left the oven door ajar so he could control the temperature of the oil. But confit is a great way. It's effectively poaching in fat. It makes things super tender and super delicious. So, like, I've often done confit tomatoes, which are really, really good. So you get to the end of season with your cherry tomatoes, you just whack a whole ton of them in a, in a heap of oil with garlic and rosemary and thyme and all those good things. Uh, and you just really slowly cook them. A lot of people will cook them in their warming drawers too. You can do confit in a warming drawer. So if you've got a warming drawer, just get yourself a shallow pan or fill it up with olive oil. doesn't matter. And throw your fish or your tomatoes or tuna or whatever you like in there. And Another, how long do you cook it for if you do that? Uh, well, it depends on what you're cooking. So tomatoes, depending on how hot the oil gets, like there's oh, a okay. lot of variables. Like there's not a... So if you were going to do this with some tomatoes or a piece of tuna? Uh, a piece of you, tuna, like probably... What temperature? Uh, in a standard oh, oven? Jeez, you're putting me on the spot there. Sorry there. You probably want to be around 60-ish degrees, maybe 70, um, around there. So you don't want it frying and bubbling. You no. just want it slowly ticking over. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere between 50 and 70. can't remember. Yeah, last I don't think my, I think tuna. The last time we looked at a, an oven... You, I didn't think ovens went down, and standard ovens went down to 50, but... You but what was the last the time yeah, no, it has you been looked a at while. an oven? Yeah. A, a non-combi steam. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of them do now get down 
do around 30 degrees. So you can do your bread proving and, and stuff oh, like wow. that. Oh, wow. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a few options for people to, to think about. So don't just, you know, think of it as, as 180 degrees. I mean, this is the... It's the same problem with a combi steam oven as it is with a general oven. Um, if you've just got a general oven, look at what its capabilities are. Does it get up to 230, 240 degrees? If it does, and you throw a few cubes of ice in and you make sourdough, it will be ripping good. Because a lot of combi steam ovens don't get that hot because of uh, different makeup of the ovens. Generally, door gaskets are or door seals of rubber on a combi steam oven, whereas on a conventional dry heat oven, they're fiberglass, so they can get a bit hotter. So there are benefits to both, but there's also, you know, so just have a look at the entire capabilities of your oven, not just 180 degrees, both and up and down. the techniques of just trying a couple of different techniques, which are quite are quite easy. They're not, yeah. they're not skilled. You don't need to have a big knife set or anything no no you can just have some oven proof dishes and get access to a grade of oils yeah. a mix of oils you can try some different things yeah and absolutely. some baking paper yeah I've never seen that with. I know you do it I saw you do it the other day but using I've never wet baking paper before so that's going to be an interesting technique to try that would be great yeah and I mean one more thing I should mention with that if you can't get a good seal on your baking paper um and you're going to do your fish in paper, uh, what you can do is just whip up an egg white just until it breaks up and then just brush the edges where you've sealed the baking paper with egg white. And when your fish goes in, as it cooks, uh, that egg white bakes and sets and seals. Oh, okay. So What's it's kind of happening? like, for want of a better term, it's kind of like licking the envelope. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's like okay. a bit of glue but it bakes on. So it means that the bag's going to be fully sealed, and which is what you want for this preparation. It needs to be fully sealed, so you create that steam in there, giving you something similar to what you get in a steam oven. Well, thank you for that, Paul. That's been... No I always learn something. So thanks for that, and happy cooking to everybody out there, and enjoy... Try something different. Try yeah. being a little bit adventurous. Even with your regular oven. Even with... Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. Thanks, Paul. See you, Linda. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe and for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com. Mm-hmm.